And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What is happening, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, Raider Hart. And guys, we've heard of the Holy Roller. We've heard of the Sea of Hands. We've heard of Ghost of the Post. More on the Holy Roller later, by the way. Now we have to add another one. Chandler Jones with a miracle play at the end, guys. Unbelievable play. Legendary Raider play. Raiders beat the Pats as time expires, 30 to 24 in Las Vegas, guys. Simply one of the wildest, craziest finishes you'll ever see in in sports, live sports period, not just the NFL. We were really blessed to witness that yesterday. We're going to talk all about it, guys. And believe it or not, I know I don't really like to talk about this, but yes, this win combined with some of the other things that took place yesterday does keep the Raiders slim. But plausible playoff hopes alive. We're going to get into that a little bit. The Raiders' defense showing some signs after a very, very shaky start to the season. We're going to get into all this, guys, uh, in this episode. But before we do any of that, we want to make sure that you help us spread the word out there, guys. Let everybody that you know, any Raider fans in your life, coworkers, family, friends, whoever it may be, tell them where to find the show. Tell them that they can find us wherever they're finding their podcast at right now. So it makes it pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. Wherever they're getting their content from, their podcast right now, they can find the Silver and Black Hack show as well. Tell them to subscribe and download. And uh, as far as anybody wants that wants to contact us directly, guys, social media is really the best place to do that still. You can find us on Facebook, but it seems like most of the conversation is still on Raider Twitter. That's where it's at. A lot of wild, <laughs> a lot of wild engagements on there, as you can imagine, after that game. Find us at silver underscore hack. Send us your questions for Ask Raspy. Lots of stuff to get into this week, guys, but uh, make sure to keep your notifications on so you don't miss it, miss out on anything. But we're going to go ahead and bring Raspy Raider in now and Raspy, I mean, we've been Raider fans for decades, man. Long time. Have you ever seen a play like that? It, it's to end a game. It's just it, it was mind blowing. Mind blowing is the perfect way to to hit on that one, man. That was absolutely ridiculous. I'm watching the game. I'm just sick to my stomach. I'm like, we uh, find a way to get that last touchdown. I was just waiting for the refs to say nope. You know, after the review that that wasn't a catch, you know, turns back, you run it back. He, Keelan Cole made that catch, man. What a beautiful catch. You see, you know, you're thinking like, all right, here we go. Defense just hold tough, man. Don't let folk get a chance. Defense not only stands up and does their thing, man. Wow. This <laughs> is amazing. When I saw Jacoby Myers let that thing go and Chandler Jones is just sitting out in the middle of the field, 
he 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 missed a tackle, you know, on Stevenson. Got back up, had the wherewithal to stay poised, start to make his way back towards the play, even though it was downfield away from him, and had the wherewithal to see that. You got to give some credit, man, to the big man. He showed some serious hands, man, and then the wherewithal to snatch that thing out of the air and to turn around and to be able to just mow over Mac Jones on his way to the to the tutty. Amazing, man. I mean, it, it definitely uh, changed my attitude in a split second yesterday afternoon. It was fun to watch. Just as cool as cool as a play I think I've ever seen. Usually that kind of crazy stuff goes against us, not for us. But what a finish, man. Just a miraculous finish. Somebody will come up with, with a cool, cool name for that. Um, I don't have one at the moment, but just what a heads up play, man. That was just it felt so good to watch him just I think it was Scott Van Pelt. He said the pitchy, pitchy woo-woo came back to haunt him. And then he, he said Chandler Jones drives Mac Jones into center earth on his way to a touchdown. I mean, he dogged him. That was amazing, man. He would have done that to any quarterback, though. People forget Chandler Jones is an absolute specimen. I get that he had a slow start this year, but – He's a physical freak. You know, some people were surprised he was able to take that to the house. This guy's a freak, physical freak, as far as that quick twitch athlete, whatever you want. I mean, he has another brother that was in the NFL with the Ravens for years, Arthur Jones. And then so many of you guys who are fight fans out in Raider Nation know his other brother, um, Johnny Bones Jones, yeah, arguably the greatest UFC fighter. Yeah, obviously, you know, arguably one of the greatest UFC combat um, athletes, fighters of all time. I think he is the greatest of all time, you know. But so this guy, I mean, absolutely, you know, made the play. And you said that these plays usually go against the Raiders. Honestly, historic, in recent history, yes. Historically, it was the exact opposite. We talked about it at the Open. You know, sea of hands, goes to the post. I mean, these are legendary plays, man, that – were sort of they all took place before my time, you know, before I was born, even let alone my time as a football fan. But man, those those plays were sort of etched into my brain and all of our brains growing up as young NFL fans. I mean, there was almost like something from Hercules and the Greek myths or something. It's just these mythical plays. They even sound so legendary. Sea of hands. I mean, what is that even? And then you know, uh, we talk about the holy roller with Dave Casper. The reason why that's such a standout, you know, and Raspy and I were talking about it after the after the the play, after the game, after everything calmed down, you know, had we ever seen a play like that? We we talked about, we remember I have vague memories of highlights of the, you know, the band is run onto the field play in college when, you know, back when John Elway, I think, was at Stanford. And uh, was it UCLA that that had a crazy Cal, it was Cal. Yep, Cal came back with the crazy play, you know, but it was the other way, you know, it was the where the lateral, the lateral, you know, the crazy laterals all over the field worked and they were able to to score. And we couldn't really think of any other plays where this had happened, but it's actually the third time in NFL history where a play has ended or the, the game has ended on a, a play like that. And, you know, we didn't remember any because they'd all taken place again before we were we were born. The first time was Chuck Shanta versus the Titans, now the New York Jets. That was way back in 1960. And then the only other time it's happened 
was the Holy Roller. That's why that was so noteworthy. The Holy Roller, Dave Casper in 1978. So this is actually not even the first time in Raiders history that this has happened. But Raspy, we'll talk about the faint playoff chances, what odds we really attach to that a little bit later on. But just playing hypothetical with me for a second, if, and I do mean if the Raiders do find a way to sweep the table the last three games and find their way into the postseason, doesn't that add the Chandler Jones play to the, doesn't it put it somewhat on par with those other legendary plays of Raiders past? We run the table, how couldn't it? You know what I mean? That was, like I said, man, just an amazing play. And, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm thinking, I'm saying last night to her, I'm like, has that ever happened? And it's like, yeah, we're but we're just so far removed from that. It's just, it's one of those things. You've seen teams win that way, but to see a team lose that way and just the way it happened, I mean, they were going to overtime. I mean, they're talking about this as like, they're literally calling it the dumbest play in NFL history, man. What Jacoby, was Jacoby Myers doing? Jacoby Myers has to just, just he's probably still throwing up, man. I mean, wow. I have no idea what he was thinking. I mean, even Stevenson handing it to him, you know, he said himself, hey, man, it doesn't matter. If he threw, he, you know, if he flipped it to me, I got to make a better decision. But the fact is, man, as you're going to overtime, the momentum just got snatched from you guys in an away building. Just go to OT. Just lay down. But, I'm, hey, don't get me wrong. I am as happy as can be that they didn't. But, wow, I just – you don't you don't see that kind of stuff from a well-coached team like a Belichick team. You usually don't see that kind of stuff. But, hey, man, I ain't hating. But Jacoby Myers has got to be sick. I wonder what impact this is going to have going forward. I wonder the next time a team is in that situation, if they decide to – I mean, it's it's one thing if you're down with time expired, you have to try to make right. a play. But if it's – you have overtime in your back pocket, I wonder if that's something that special team coaches are going to have a meeting about at some point, you know, to get their teams prepared. If we're in this situation and, and the time's expired and, you know – we have overtime on the books regardless. Just go down with the ball. Because literally, what what was he expecting to happen? Did he really expect that they're going to somehow make a play and pop one and, and score on that play? Because even if you – it's not like you can go down and set up a field goal or anything. The time is is, is nil. There's nothing on the board. So well, I, I wonder not, if that's going to change. Like, yeah, and it's not like you're throwing it back to Lamar Jackson. It's Mac Jones, man. He's a statue. I mean, you're throwing the ball 20 yards backwards thinking Mac Jones is going to be able to elude anybody. I mean, and, and in Myers' defense, he said, I didn't even see Chandler Jones. But the fact is, man, you didn't see anything besides Mac Jones sitting back there. But the fact that you're throwing the ball 15, 20 yards, you know, backwards, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Mac Jones was going to make some prolific play with his feet and be able to, you know, take it to the house or get it into a situation where he could pitch to somebody else. Don't know what they were thinking, but I'm glad they thought it. I mean, the idea I get it is to keep, just keep the play alive and you never know what could happen, but that goes the other way too. Yeah. And you saw what could happen there. And, you know, basically well, Chandler Jones is like, huh? Even a fumble, you know, the guy behind you doesn't catch the ball and then the ball's bouncing around live and all it takes is one Raider player to pick it up and run it back. So it's like you you are uh, 
you're opening yourself up to all kinds of just nonsense that you just didn't have to do. I mean, I, yeah, that was literally one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. It was amazing. I, I loved watching Belichick after that. He was so pissed off. He's like, they're asking him, you know, did you guys have a conversation about this? Were you, you know, is that what your intention was? To try to, he's like, looking at the guy like you could tell he wanted to just he wanted to rip that journalist's head off <laughs> he was so pissed what I a dumb it. question like yeah the greatest coach of all time coached him to do that right yeah, yeah on, we're gonna run around in vegas with no time on the board and just see what happens we throw yeah. the ball around and see what happens yeah it's it's shocking that a bill belichick squad but yep. that's not on belichick that's one of those things no. that's so stupid that you can't even even the greatest Football mind since Bill Walsh, if not ever, would he, he couldn't even account for that variable that that somebody could even think to do that. I don't know why he didn't just Stevenson probably should have just went down too. That's what Nobody I'm saying. On him, but Jacoby Myers, though, I have no idea what what in the world he was thinking. But hey, he kept the Raiders season somewhat alive. And the other part of it too, Raspy, that that also factors in heavily to what the keeping the Raiders sustained here. First off, they're getting help from the rest of the AFC, but the Raiders' defense, man. I mean, since this green dot switch going from Brown to Harmon, don't look now, guys, but the Raiders' defense has allowed 17 or fewer points in four of the last five games, and they've also won four out of the last five games. I mean, they should be, they should have won, they should have won all the games in that stretch, only losing to, you know, Keanu Reeves and in uh, Burt Reynolds and the replacement Rams that we all know that that shouldn't have happened. So Raspy, what do you think about this Raiders defense, man? I mean, I mean isn't it true? I mean, no, that's basically is. what beat the Raiders, right? It was Keanu Reeves. And you remember the replacements, right? Isn't that who, isn't that, wasn't that Keanu Reeves? Absolutely. It was Keanu Reeves, <laughs> man. John Favreau. And there was all right. kinds of dudes in that, man. There was all kinds of dudes in that, but it's, that's exactly what it was, man. I mean, Oh, man, it makes me sick to think that we lost that game. Just think about that. Go back and just wrap up that Rams game, man, and we are on a tirade. We could we could have afforded to lose one. Right. But, no, nah, we lost to the damn replacement Rams. But, no, this defense, man, I mean, it's a sight for sore eyes. And, I mean, about time kind of thing, but maybe too little, too late. But – at least if nothing else, man, because I myself think, and this is just me, I don't have anything backing this up, but I believe if you're giving, you know, McDaniels the chance to run it back like Mark co-signed, you know, you know, month or so back, you're most likely going to bring Patrick Graham back as well. And he's making a case for himself at this point with, you know, running a defense out. That's why we weren't so, we weren't so on that defensive train like a lot of guys were, Last week, because bottom line, your D still played really good. I get it. At the end there, they gave one up, man. But we put them in just horrible positions. So we did it again. Pick six, man. We put the defense in a bad position yet again. The defense did, did give up some plays there at the end. But when it counted and the chips, you know, were all on the table, man, we walked off with one. So, I mean, the D still only, you know, they didn't give up that touchdown to Duggar. That was all on car and the play call. It was horrible. But, yeah, the defense is starting. And it's weird because you're seeing it with guys like, you know, Isaiah Pulamau, Roderick Teamer. I mean, Hall. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me 
where our depth is at, that's something that that's another topic that we'll get Masterson's into another day. Masterson's been good too, man. But yeah, I mean, you know, even Amik Robertson that, you know, he had a he had a rough go of it early, but made some big plays to kind of to counteract that, which is something that we talked about last week. If you're gonna make you know, if you're going to have some bad plays, you need to make up and over, you know, overthrow those bad ones with some good ones. And he did just that. He had some good coverage late. So, yeah, the defense, man, I got to tip my hat to these guys there. You know, you're holding four out of five teams in any stretch in the NFL to 17 or less. That's impressive, man. And we had some good offenses in there, too. You know, I get that the Pats, not so much, but the Chargers and Seahawks can score. And that they were also included in that. And before we actually, before we move on from Chandler Jones, the, the play was great, but he was really pretty rock solid in this game. Even besides that last play, you know, we had him charted for four effective pressures in that game as well. He had that sick fake spin move on Trent Brown. That would have been a sack if he had literally an eighth of a second longer, you know, with Mac Jones and the ball, ball in his hands, he would have gotten a sack there. That was filth. Five sacks now, Raspy. Are you? Do you feel any better about Chandler Jones? I just want to ask that. He had the slow start. We all talked about it. We expected the whole – this is the kind of stuff that we expected pretty much right out of the gate, right out of the box with this guy. Didn't happen that way. But, you know, we're looking at five sacks now, game-winning plays. Doesn't look as old and as beaten up as what, what, what I was so fearful that he looked early on. Number one, what do you attribute to his resurgence here? And number two, do you even feel better about Chandler Jones? Because with, let's be real, too. You talked about Patrick Graham and and uh, Josh McDaniels coming back next year. That's all been confirmed by Mark Davis. And with the win like yesterday, that just gets more and more likely. Um, so it's, it's likely that Chandler Jones, because of some of the, the details of his contract, We'll be back next year as well. Do you feel better about Chandler Jones maybe going forward for at least just one more year? And if so, what do you attribute this fountain of youth, this late season resurgence from from uh, from Jones? Well, one, I do feel better about Chandler. Man, he in the second half of the season, he has turned it on. He has been a completely different player. And what I attribute it to is just like you alluded to just a few minutes back in this conversation, that green dot, man. Giving that green dot to Harmon and letting him kind of, you know, call the plays there on the fly, adjust accordingly, putting guys in the right positions, and uh, and and it's paying dividends, man. I mean, so yeah, I I I do. I like what I'm seeing, and this is what we expected out of Chandler, you know. So who knows, man? He goes and rips off in the next few games, another few sacks, man. I mean, he finishes the season with eight to nine sacks and a boatload of effective pressures, you know, and making plays like this at the end of games. I mean, yeah, I'm cool. I'm good. I mean, he definitely didn't look, he didn't look old. And I'm sorry if, 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 if it's, oh, he's getting old and it's getting, you don't, you don't progress or stop getting old midway through the season. So I look at it as, you know, miscommunications on defense, maybe just some some lousy some lousy defense in general, maybe some softer defense that we've been playing and not giving this guy the coverage that he needs to actually get to the, you know, to the quarterback and affect that stuff on the back end. This guy was going up against Trent Brown, who was a mountain of a man. And and he was he was having an issue in that first half. 
you know, and was kind of getting pushed around a little bit, but he realized that, Hey, I can beat this big dude with speed. And man, he started throwing out speed rushes and, you know, hesitant fake spins. And man, that, that, that little spin to the fake spin fakie. And he left Trent Brown on roller skates dude. Trent Brown didn't know where the hell he was going. That's not the sign of a dude who's, you know, the game has passed him by, let alone that run there at the end. That's not, those aren't plays that look like the game is passing him by. He looked pretty damn spry out there. Now, I think we can all agree he's closer to the end than than he's not. Well, but yeah. I, I agree that I no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think that the way that he's looked, and even before he started this sack streak, I remember the game was it the this one of these games that before he started getting sacks, he had seven or eight pressures with with I think five to six impactful pressures involved in that as well. So even before he actually started registering sacks, you saw him, you saw this coming. So I don't think he's got more than maybe one or two more years after this left, but I do think that there's a chance that he does have that one more year. And you, and you made, you make a very good point. We have three games left guaranteed in the regular season, uh, give or take the playoffs. We'll see what happens there. If he gets a sack, has another two sack game, anytime in this last three or just has a sack or two or three, then you're talking a seven, eight sack season with some of these big plays, big pressure, you know, increasing pressure numbers, increasing pressure rate late in the season makes you feel a little bit better about that tandem, at least just for one more year that maybe he can hold on. Agreed, man. Mac Jones, not the best quarterback in the world. Not exactly going to remind anybody of Tom Brady in New England, but Raiders did a good job. Patrick Graham and company held him to 13 of 31 raspy, just 112 yards passing, 3.6 yards per attempt. Man, it's hard to lose games when you're holding a quarterback to 3.6 yards per attempt, 12, just over a 12 QBR, 52.1 quarterback rating. When you cut off the head of the snake, the quarterback being the head of the snake, guys, your, your odds of winning, you know, if we're going to get to the reasons why this shouldn't even have been as near as close as it was, it's reasons that you all know out there with the offense. We're going to get into that after the break in the second segment. But, Raspy, when you cut off the head of the snake to that degree, 3.6 yards per attempt to 12 QBR, he only gave, them, he only gave the Patriots a 12% chance to win doesn't that just – I mean, what does that do for your overall odds of winning football games when you when you hamper opposing quarterbacks, especially in your building, to that degree? Oh, they go up exponentially, man. And we had him so pissed off in that first half. I mean, he looked like a whiny little baby out there in that first half. He was crying his eyes out. I was like, man, we continue this, man. We let him kind of settle in there a little bit for a stretch, you know, about a 15, 20-minute stretch in the second half. But, man – we had him frustrated and flustered as all get out, dude. I mean, he looked like he was borderline about to start crying. You know what? So that's what you get, man, when you can, when you can, like you said, go cut the head off that proverbial snake, man, and shut that down. It, it bodes well for your chances of winning the ball game, man. And we had him flustered as hell. We did. You know, the Raiders – they did their job. They did their their business with Mac Jones. Stevenson did get loose a little bit on the ground. Nineteen carries, a buck seventy two, nine point one. I mean, yeah, he peeled us off, dude. 
He did. A lot of that was on that last run, that last play. At least 30 of those yards were on that last play, the laterals right. and all that. But even if you take that away, he still had a big game, the 34-yard touchdown run, pretty much their only source of offense for certain stretches in this game. I don't look too much into that, Raspy, because the Raiders' run defense normally is pretty strong. And with Billings, you know, as he gets healthy and and gets back on the field and back into form, I think it's – that for me, it's – hard to say anything is a long-term concern when you're only guaranteed another three games and you need a whole lot of other stuff to happen to extend the season into the postseason. But bottom line, run defense, despite what happened yesterday, not a long-term concern with Patrick Graham. If you project into next season, we're kind of at that stage where it's half we're hoping for the playoffs, but the other half we're already projecting into the next season. Does this raise any concerns for you with the run defense that that anything may be leaky here late in the season or what? No, man. Stevenson was he is he's number two in the league in, in broken tackles. I mean, he's top ten in the league in all the yard, yards after contact. You know, all that kind of stuff. He's a slippery, you know, real real tough dude who's kind of similar to Josh Jacobs in a way with how he can break tackles and and get yards after contact. So, you know, I. I got to give the man his just due. He, he's a good, he's a hell of a running back, man. And I mean, so don't, you know, don't harp on that too much as far as the run D's concerned. What my main concern was a little more than anything, and we'll get into that, but it was, it was the pass rush, you know, it, it in the first half, it was. Why don't, damn why don't you get into that now? Why don't you get into that now? Well, what, you mentioned that to me earlier. What exactly was your concern with the pass rush? They weren't getting home as often as you would have liked to see. Yeah. Uh, what what exactly was your concern with the Raiders pass rush in this game? Man, they were what bothered me, man, is I felt like I know we kind of keep stationary on the bookends, man, and we don't move them back and forth. But I think a little more sliding with with Jones and, and Max, you know, maybe switching them up a little bit, letting Trent Brown see Max a little bit, you know, and vice versa. McDermott was kind of getting off on Max, man, and Max was not getting the pressure that we're used to him getting. He, you know, and he and he wasn't. He, I mean, they were throwing everything at him, dude. They were pulling at him and they were chipping him. So I'm gonna give him, you know, I'm gonna give him a pass on this one, but but Max wasn't doing what we're used to see Max doing. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, when if you'd have told me that uh, you know Chandler Jones was gonna have a game that was you know three times ten times mighty three to ten times mightier than what Crosby was gonna give you, I would have said I don't, I don't know. But he did. He did just that. Max was Max didn't didn't have a very good game, and I know they're they're throwing everything in the kitchen, you know, plus the kitchen sink at him. But that's what happens when you're a prolific pass rusher. You're gonna you're gonna get that kind of stuff. So. I just and I didn't see the the interior push that you know that we had you know have been seeing in this four to four out of five game stretch. So yeah, just not. I mean, Mac Jones is the kind of guy, man. He's a stationary quarterback. If you can press him and push the pocket, you make him one dimensional. And I get it that his you know passing yards were lackluster for sure. So, but I, I kind of give that more to the secondary and you know and the back end than I do us causing a bunch of ruckus, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. So I just didn't see as much. Now I get it. You know, Belichick coach team, 
they always seem to run out a, a decent O line and and keep their quarterback fairly clean. I mean, we watched Tom Brady do that forever. So I get that in a sense, but we needed more there. And it seemed like, you know, in the second half, even though they were getting some points on the board, we were getting a little more pressure. Chandler was starting to get home a little more, start putting him on his, you know, on his butt and making things a little more uncomfortable for him. So yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not going to harp on it too, too much, but we've got to get more of that push, you know, you know, interior and on the outsides as well. And I just, I, you know, I did not see as much from Max as I would have liked to have seen. Didn't see it from the interior guys. You just mentioned it. I, I didn't see it from them either. Yeah. You know, Blau Nichols has had a better stretch of the last month or so where he was basically non-existent in, in the pass rush, the first whole half of the season, really. Didn't see much from him in this game at all. Didn't didn't hear his name called as much as I would have liked. And did Tiller even play in this game? He did. He, it seemed like they were maybe kind of trying to uh, – let him know that his nonsense, you know, the 10 days before against the Rams kind of had him on notice because he didn't get as much run. And I think that that might have been part of it. But, no, he didn't get near as many snaps. I don't have his snap count in front of me. But, no, he did play, but not near as much as he had the previous two weeks. That's for sure, or even three weeks for that matter. I guess just the fact that I had to ask that shows that even if, you know – he did what kind of what type of impact that he had with the snaps that he that he right. had out there, you know. And you mentioned the Raiders secondary; they did have a bounce back week, and uh, you know, guys like Hall out there holding it down, and Meek Robertson. We'll see. I to my eye, it looked like he had sort of a rough start to the game. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him charted much differently than what I saw. I have not seen the All Twenty Two, so I'm just gonna pump the brakes on on giving any sort of evaluation there because I don't want to make a fool out of myself, quite frankly. But you see, you, you saw Merrick break on a ball, almost make a play. You just need to see him make, start making those plays, and that would be a big difference. Hobbs gave up one play, but was much better than he's been since his return off of IR. So overall, pretty good stuff from the Raiders' secondary. It, it, when you hold a when you hold a guy to 112 yards passing, yeah. there's only going to be so much blame that you, you could put on your secondary Absolutely. anyway. So. And Merrick is quietly getting himself together. I mean, let's just say the first half of the season, man, for a good chunk of that first half, leading into the second half of the season, he has not been the guy he was last year. I get it's a totally different system, and you're asking him to do, you know, some different things. But in the last, you know, three to five games, he has played a lot better, been a lot more sound, not making huge plays, but not giving up the huge play either. So it's nice to see, you know, a guy who we have, you know, so much, so much, you know, as far as high hopes and ability to to be that guy of the future that can help us out on the back end. He's looking a lot better. So as much as I've been hard on him, I got to give him a little love. He's playing a lot better. So. Out of boy Trayvon, keep that going, man, because we need you back there. Yeah, he's not making the big plays, but he's starting to drive on balls to make those yep. plays again. Agreed. And and we'll see, you know, a lot of it learning a complex system after in a totally different role than what he was asked to do a year ago. But it's nice to see some of that coming along. The Pats were held to just two of thirteen on third down, oh of one in the red zone. We know how big that is with the Raiders. And only were on the field for 
just over 26 minutes total time of possession. So the Raiders defense got it done and a lot of the metrics that, you know, the intangibles that, that really a lot of times go a long way towards deciding football games and, and aren't talked about as much. So the Raiders defense, not the toughest challenge or test in the world with Mac Jones and company, but they passed with flying colors. Raspy, did you have I got to drop one real quick, man, because I swear it's like whenever they throw this stuff up in the middle of games, it seems like it, it jinxes you one way or the other, whether it's your team or the other team, who knows. But we were literally at 100% clip in goal-to-go situations inside of five yards, 14 of 14. Now, I get it that they scored that touchdown to Myers, but they had called a timeout. So it, they ran it back. And then Amik Robertson, which is where I think that PFF grade jumped up tremendously. He's, he made a hell of a play on that third and goal. And then they had a false start. Kept him out of there. So we are now one of 15 <laughs> in the last 15 goal-to-go situations. So you broke that trend and at least got one of those where you had a team with a first and goal, you know, with a goal-to-go situation inside of five yards, and we actually prevented a touchdown from going on the board. So, hey, man, you got to take it where you can get it. That number is just so oh, it's unbelievably sickening. bad, man. It's just sickening. unbelievably bad. And they would have – you're right. If it wasn't for that Belichick timeout, they would have continued that streak – and one last thing for me, Raspy, you know, we talk about this is the first time that a play has ended, you know, a game has ended rather on that type of a play, only the third time in history. We talked, you know, early in the season about how Josh Jacobs was having these historic, not since Walter Payton and Jim Brown, multiple different times in certain games, the 300 yards total offense, that kind of thing. Devontae Adams and Jacobs, the first pair to have you know, both over a thousand yards. I think it was in both over 11 touchdowns, rushing and receiving. Isn't it weird that a team with a, a below 500 record overall, we're going to get into the offense after this break. Isn't it's it just that weird that a team that has so many historic numbers and stuff? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't even know, Raspy, if the 2002 Raiders, the last Raider team to win the West and go to the represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I don't even remember that team having so many different players and combinations of players and plays, not since the 60s, not since Jim Otto or, or, or whatever, not since, you know, Fran Tarkington or whatever, like all in one season. It, isn't that weird? And then you're and then you're below 500. I, are you having a hard time adding that up like I am or is it just me? No, I absolutely am. And it comes down to these close games, man. It is crazy to see these kind of numbers getting thrown out there, man. You would think that those would be numbers coming from a winning team. A dominant team. Yeah, a dominant team for that matter, you know. And we're here we are, you know, with a crazy win just to get two games under, you know, just to be two games under 500. So, yeah, it is crazy. It's complex and it's a conundrum. There's no doubt because you see – the uh, the capability, you know, and what could be if this team. But I also am going to attribute some of that just to this whole shift and everything. I mean, it's 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 gotta it's gotta at least lean heavily towards hey man that some things are changing. And you know, as long as as this has been going on, man, it's not going to happen overnight. We we never thought it would, you know. 
But there are some things changing. There are some things that keep, you know, rearing their ugly head as far as these offensive penalties, these pre-snap penalties. We are second in the league. I think at one point we were, I think we're now at like 59 or something, 50, maybe 60 offensive penalties, you know, second pushing for first in the league with the most offensive penalties. That kind of stuff, man, I get it. There was a lot of turnover and changeover as far as the injuries and RO line and stuff. But, man, that kind of stuff is the stuff that just – its we've done this for years. Between the 20s, we're moving the hell out of the ball, and it takes one stupid holding call followed up by another false start, you know, or an illegal formation or something just dumb to just stifle these drives. So, I don't know. I, I'm – like I said, it, it, it ain't going to change overnight. I get it. it. There's some things that are going in the right direction. So, I mean, at this point, man, we're just hoping that we can continue to uh, start to, you know, kill some of these stupid tendencies that we have. Been a problem for years. Raider, numerous Raider coaches and regimes have been brought in to solve this. Still, Continues to be an issue. We'll see where Josh McDaniels takes it from here. But guys, that's that covers most of the defense. Mostly good stuff there and some really great stuff from Chandler Jones. But after this break, we're going to get into the other side of the ball where it's not nearly as positive, at least not for me, with the Raiders offense. We'll hear what Raspy has to say on that. And also, guys, you just want to make sure that you remember to also look out for Captain of the Week and Walk the Plank. That's Again, it's going to be coming out as a separate segment, a standalone piece. So keep those notifications on for that. And make sure to keep it right here with us to talk about the Raiders' offense and the performance that they had. Some troubling things, some trends on that side of the ball. And we're going to get into all of that right after this break. Brought to you by Boosteroid Cloud Gaming. Introducing Boosteroid Cloud Gaming. Guys, the console wars are over. Boosteroid allows you to turn the devices that you already own, your smart TV, your phone, even your laptop, into a next generation video game console or the equivalent of an expensive gaming PC, all for what less than what it would cost you for a single night out at the movies, guys. And we're not talking about retro games or emulation here. We're talking next-gen AAA titles like Elden Ring, Call of Duty. I just actually tried out Cyberpunk 2077 on my old aging non-gaming laptop. I mean, terrible gaming setup. And I was able to easily achieve smooth 60 frames per second, 1080p resolution, guys. I was really blown away. Very, very minimal latency. I know that that's a major concern. It was hard to tell I wasn't playing on local on my local Xbox console. It was that responsive. They even tell me that 4K gaming is on the way by the end of the year. So that's going to be you know right around the corner there. So the technology is already super impressive and it's gaining at you know at, at a pretty quick rate so 4k gaming for you 4k gamers out there is right around the corner and it's super easy to get started guys just sign up with promo code boost 17 that's promo code boost 17 and just click and play and they'll even throw in a handful 
of free games for you to try out right away. Really good popular games like World of Tanks and Destiny 2, just to name a few, for you to just, you know, try out right away, guys. And I guarantee you, you will be blown away. So the console wars are over. Console free gaming has arrived with Boosteroid. And make sure to sign up right away. Boosteroid Cloud Gaming, we'll catch you in the clouds. What's up, Raider Nation? And welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack podcast. You're listening to the Raiders Patriots post game show. This is the uh, segment two here. We talked about the Raiders defense, some of the heroics on that side of the ball. Chandler Jones made a play for the ages. If you missed any of that, just hit the rewind and uh, run that back if you want to listen to that first segment. This segment, Raspy Raiders back with us again to talk about the other end of the equation there, and that's the Raiders offense. You know, all the good that we talk about with the Raiders' defense, the effort that they put in was all in spite, guys. We all, we all watch the game. It's all in spite of the offense trying their hardest, really, to give away yet another game. Same formula that we've identified and talked about. You start off great, get a double-digit lead in the first half, and then the offense absolutely goes ghost. Power outage in the second half. Blackout. And the same thing rears its ugly head yet again, putting undue strain, undue pressure on this improving Raiders defense. Still needs a lot of help. Raspy, we ended the first segment talking about the anomalies with this team, the roller coaster. You lose to the replacement Rams. You come back and beat Belichick the next week. You have all these historic, you know, stats and numbers. Haven't done this since 1960. Haven't done this since Walter Payton. All these types of things yet you're under 500. You brought up a lot of the stupid penalties, mental miscues, mistakes by the offensive line. That's really where, where I personally would like to start the offensive evaluation here because I thought the offensive line, for as underrated as it's been, in my opinion, the basically the whole rest of the season, this is one of the first games this season, Raspy, where I thought the offensive line was just flat-out terrible. I thought they were horrible, lousy, no good. What's the name of that book, that kid's book? Lousy, terrible, no good, very bad day? Yes, sir. I think that that's the Raiders' offensive line had that kind of a day. I thought that they, they are banged up. They sustained even more injuries during the game. Carr, we're going to get into Carr's performance in a minute, but just in a vacuum, Carr had very little time to set up and scan the field, running for his life for most of that game. Raspy, how did you did you see it any differently than I did in terms of the offensive line? You know, how did you evaluate their play in this game? Uh, horribly, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you'll know in more ways than one. But horrible, like and like and like you said, man, it's been something that was harped on so much coming into the season, and has just quite frankly been a bright spot for us. So I guess we kind of have, I, at least me myself, have kind of grown to be like used to the offensive line playing really well. Well, Alex Bars goes down, you know, arm goes down late. Some of these guys, they're pulling off the scrappy practice squad, whatever guys, I can't even pronounce their last names. We It looked bad. I mean, Carr was scrambling a lot. You know, and we know what happens when Carr starts scrambling. For some quarterbacks, that can be a great thing. For ours, it's never a good thing. So, yeah, the the O-line was – and they weren't getting the push. 
in in the run game where it's it, we didn't have that like just physical push that we've been seeming to have for you know predominantly all year and then pass protection was just sketchy at best i mean you were letting Jamie Collins. It was weird because in the first half, the pass protection was a lot better because they were even saying, you know, like Judon or Uche or any of these guys, they're not getting anywhere. Well, the second half, man, it seemed like, like you said, we were doing everything we could do to try to make things real difficult, you know, and yeah, it's like right before the half, man, Malcolm Coons got to give a shout out to Malcolm Coons, man. He caught Jabril Pepper sleeping on a play and he quite frankly made him pay. And, and we get a touchdown for it before the second half and thank the Lord above that we did because first time out touching the ball in the second half, we hand one right back on a play to Duggar who he just read it like Carr was in a I mean, I'll give Duggar a lot of credit. He made a hell of a play, dude. But when, if as a quarterback, Carr can't see that. He can't get the ball out there. The play call was terrible at the time. I hate that play call, especially deep in your own end. And for Carr not to be able to beat the guy to the, you know, he beat Carr's throw. I mean, like, what are we talking about, man? So the dude read this thing from the jump. So are you showing with your eyes exactly what you're doing, you know, or with the formate, whatever it is, it was a bad play call, bad everything, and you hand one right back to him. You know, as soon as that happened, it's like, I know, Nation, same way. All you guys, like, are you kidding me? Here we go again with this nonsense. And we did it again. We damn near did it completely again, aside from the fact that Carr finally started getting some offense going when he had no other choice and we were in four-down territory. But up until then, after that interception, till the last, you know, whatever seconds of the game, you did nothing. It was just garbage. The O-line was a big part of that. There's no doubt. I think the O-line actually was the biggest part of it for this game. I agree. I mean, they are. I mean, they were a huge part of it. Jacobs, you, like you said, didn't have the – didn't have – part of that Belichick, go. too. You know, Belichick is going to take away your, your, your top guys, but didn't have the running authority, didn't have the running room that we're, that we're accustomed to Josh Jacobs having this season – Derek Carr sacked three times, you know, so. Pressured the, a lot. Pressured a lot. And, you know, this isn't said a lot. Again, I'm a guy who's defended Derek Carr in the past. You know, I, it is what it is at this point. Uh, you know, I could go either way with it. But, you know, there's certain quarterbacks that you talk about that once you get them off their spot, they're more dangerous. And there's other quarterbacks, even some great quarterbacks like Tom Brady, where the scouting report is, if you get him off his spot, Joe Burrow is the same way. If you get him off his spot, he can make plays, but the efficiency goes down some versus them in the pocket clean. Derek Carr is one of those guys too. And that's not talked about a lot. You know, he's a guy that when you get him off his spot, he scrambles right and throws the ball away. I mean, everybody, we know 95% of the time, that it doesn't matter it. who we're playing, where we're playing, when we're playing, right, we know it. You get him off his spot, he's going to escape right, and he's going to throw the ball away. He's not going across his body at any given time. He has that in his head, and I get it. That that's kind of – they used to be the way it was. You never throw across your body across field. Well, man, it's 2022. There's a dozen quarterbacks or more that do that, and then they kill you with it. So that's not who we have. I was watching the game with my wife. As soon as he starts rolling out, he's just going to throw it away, and he did it 
countless times. And that's the kind of stuff that allows him to have a 51.7 completion percentage. So that's, you know, like I said, give it up to Belichick. He knows that. He sees it. He attacks it. Same way with, you know, Devontae. Same way with stuffing the run and shoving it at us, you know, from all facets early and just going heavy in packages because they're not afraid of you. Yeah, Carr look, to me looked uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable again in this this uh, oh, no. McDaniel scheme. And what's disappointing to me about that, Raspy, is that I, I remember over. saying two, three weeks ago that I really felt like he turned the corner and was starting to pick it up and pick up steam. And then all of a sudden the brakes, you know, they hit the brakes on it and he looks uncomfortable. He's re- I'd even say he's regressed in this offense compared to where he was just about a, two, three weeks ago even. Yeah. 20 of 38, 231 yards, 6.1 per attempt. He did have three touchdown passes, which we've criticized him for his lack of that. He's done that two or three times this season. Had the huge pick six on the goal line that Raspy talked about, the huge turnover that swung the, the momentum, let the air out of the building, all those different things. 47.3 QBR, 86.6 quarterback rating. But the thing about it, you know, this has been a recipe that's been a part of the bad Derek Carr experience basically for the last nine years, but especially this season. The the second half blackouts, meltdowns, you know, whatever you want to call them, no-shows, you know. But the thing is, the only thing that was different this time, Raspi, is like you said, at the end of the game, we saw a little bit of that old Derek Carr magic where he was able to rallied the rally the, the troops there at the end, that last drive where it's do or die. He did bring us down and made the throws and made the plays to win the game. So at least he did a little bit of something at the end to negate some of that this time, whereas the few yeah. of these other games in the past, he wasn't doing that. And that's that was the main thing we had last week uh, with the talks with uh, Homeboy. He, he called out, you know, how we always – Put it on the offense, but it was the same kind of thing, man. And until that last second, and then the play that really stuck with me too is before the half, dude. After we get that turnover, man, twelve seconds left or whatever it was, Carr gets pressured and he just throws some limp noodle up, dude. And thank God that there was not a DB over in that area. It, he gets hit, throws one full, straight up in the air, and we get a defensive holding, I believe, on that, and then we're able to score the next play. If there's a guy there, dude, I'm just saying, it's like it. he has to be better situationally, too. It's like if you're in field goal range, dude, don't give away points. You did that last week, and it killed us. And he about did it again. You know, it's 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 his decision-making at times when the stuff starts getting kind of hazy. It, it drives me nuts. I've never, ever questioned this dude's talent. He's got a freaking great arm. He can throw the hell out of a deep ball. It's the situational stuff where he makes decisions where it's just, I'm going to run right, I'm going to throw it away. Or, you know, pressure's coming, ooh, and just heaves one up like he did, you know, against the Rams in the triple coverage. So that's the stuff where it's like, dude, I just need you to make better decisions, man. You would think nine years into this that you would have this figured out. Yeah, you, you mentioned his, his arm. He has a great arm, and I agree with that. Historically, he has a, a, a good arm talent. His arm talent doesn't look as good to me this year. It's I don't not know as good as it was. 
He doesn't That's why look he's like he's thrown for he's thrown for under sixty percent in like seven games, dude. Yeah, that should tell you velocity, a lot right there. That should tell you a lot. Even the velocity looks down to me too. And he missed Mac Hollins a couple times, including yeah. a couple of deep shots or they could have scored and taken pressure off the defense. He missed Devontae. On that big deep shot, dude, he puts that ball one yard out or even, you know, just a smidge out further. Dude, Devontae makes that catch. He underthrows it. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Carr. There's a lot of rumors. We'll probably get into that later this week. Sure, there'll be, you know, questions or – He made some good plays. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to dump on him, dude, because he did make a hell of a throw. I mean, that throw to – Keelan Cole was a couple of them to Cole and, you know, Hollins catching Hollins on that fourth and 10, keeping the drive alive. I am not dumping on him, man. But this is the kind of stuff with the talent we have, man. Those were open balls. It wasn't the, he wasn't throwing these things into tight coverage. That fourth and 10 to Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins just dug Marcus Jones out and came back for it on fourth and 10 and got like 12. It wasn't like we were asking him. He wasn't hitting these closed windows. That throw to Cole was nasty. But I'm just saying, leading up to that, but that's what we would expect from a guy who we've invested so much in. So here it is. He finally, this year, came through in a tight game and put one away for us, you know, or at least kept us in it. So I don't know. It was still ugly as hell in the process. Not stoked about this offensive performance in any way, shape, or form. Glad we won, but we all know what it took to win. We'll get into it later in the week in terms of all the different – there's a lot of different rumors, even to the – I mean, there's rumors about Carr every offseason about what's going to yeah. happen. Not to this degree. There's A lot of you guys have seen it. A lot of you guys know what I'm talking about, beat writers and that kind of thing. Lots to talk about with Derek Carr and his future. But in this game, very, very up-and-down performance again, putting undue pressure on his defense. But then, you know, flipping the script at the end, he did make the throws – Keelan Cole made a hell of a, of a play there, but Derek Carr did make the throws. The other part, too, or, or another story with the offensive side to me, Raspy, was Bill Belichick did his thing again. You, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, we talked about how Bill Belichick – and this we're not, we're not educating a lot of you guys. We've, we've seen Belichick for 20 years. We know what he does. He takes away your, your, your lead punch. He takes yep. away your lead, your lead weapon as well as any – defensive mind has ever done it in NFL history no different against the Raiders no surprise there he he had a, a two-pronged attack normally he takes away your 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 power so, punch I and think then, he knew you know, that he had to take away Josh and Devontae I think he knew it's it just, well mo everybody would try but it's usually not yeah, that easy to do both I but think he's just, the kind of guy that can actually drop something to do just that I mean the guy is a freaking scientist there's no doubt but just to go over it, you know, Jacobs, 22 carries for 93 yards. Not a terrible day, but 4.2 yards per carry. Had a couple chunk runs and some power looks that kind of boosted that yards per attempt up a little bit. But it was more so Adams that got sort of, you know, defanged in this game. Four catches, 28 yards on nine targets. That's not the Devontae Adams that we're normally used to seeing. Nope, it's not, man. And... I'm not putting it all on the car either, but there was some really bad throws. So the nine targets is deceiving. But, uh, no, Devontae has to be better than that. But I feel like there at the end, 
And I guess it's hard to say because we still won the game, but it's just how we won it. That's so hard. It wasn't like we ran it off with offense there at the last second. We scored that one touchdown to take it to, you know, or about to take it to OT before the debacle happens. But Devontae is a guy, man, I've, I saw him open so much. I, I watched this dude. I He was open so much. I don't know. Four catches, 28 yards. I get it. Belichick has a lot to do with that, but – this is Devontae freaking Adams, man, period. I, I saw him open a bunch, so I, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to be the cold, wet blanket, but I saw him open a lot. He Belichick took uh, Hopkins out of the game just last week, too. So the, Hopkins he still had there. 79 yards in that game, though. You know what I'm saying? We had, dude, he had 28 yards? Damn. That's on four <laughs> targets, man. Seven a catch. Just It didn't look right. I don't know. Maybe just maybe that's just Belichick. Maybe I should just shut up and just be happy that we beat a Belichick coach team because we never do. So I need to just shut up. I'm sorry. I need to shut up. Seriously, I need to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put that on. I'm gonna put that on Belichick because that you know yeah. this guy's been shredding the league and the way that Carr was was avoiding Adams, especially in the clutch, tells me so. I need to see the film. Something for him to go that heavy to Mac Hollins and let's just get into that. The other. Belichick was able to take away Adams and Jacobs to the, to a, a pretty good degree. Didn't shut them out, but they were much less effective than what they've been in our you know other wins this season. But the to their credit, the other wide receivers stepped up when they had to. Nothing crazy. Nothing you know. It wasn't one of those Mac Hollins hundred and sixty yard receiving games like he had earlier in the season. But he did have four catches for forty yards. Made several catches. You know, multiple catches on that last drive alone. He also was missed a, a few times, like we said. He had a nice touchdown, too. He had a touchdown catch, and he also made some Pro Bowl caliber plays on special teams as well. With him, you can't leave that part out. No. And Keelan, Keelan Cole, two catches for 50 yards, made that toe tapper to, to take it to, you know, to that last possession there. 30 yards there, you know, big time. This isn't a guy that's called on a lot. This is a guy who's had some drops for us this season. But he really did make the play when he had to there. Yeah. And welcome back. Just one last thing. Welcome no, back. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Welcome back, Darren Waller. Three catches, 48 yards. That seam touchdown, just to remind everybody what kind of seam weapon that this guy could be. Ugh. And, you know, it wasn't perfect. He also kind of interfered with Adams on a couple routes that maybe some balls that would have gone to Adams that, you know, they're still that the chemistry is still not there. They haven't played a lot together, but the other receivers stepped up and got some things done. No, you're right, man. And, I, and the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, man, like I said, not with the apologies, but I am taking a little bit away too, because fact is, is Renfro had a really nice third down conversion at a crucial time for us as well. So the ball did get spread around a little bit more when you think about, I guess we just haven't had these names out there and they've been coming from elsewhere, you know, but, and maybe heavy Devontae and a lot of those times, but maybe this is a step in the right direction towards, you know, filling this roster out as far as all the weapons we had, because Renfro made that one third down, it was like third and 11, something like that. It was third and third long. And, yeah. Third and long. I mean, it was third and long and he made that catch, man. He got, licked. I don't know why in the hell we're putting him out on punt returns still. I will 
die on that hill. Quit putting him out on punt return. Abdullah is a beast, and he's playing real good in the kick return. Got to give Abdullah some run there. He's been he was great for us in the you know kick return. Put him out there at punt too. I don't know why we're putting Renfro out there when he just came off IR, dude. He got lit up a couple times on the punt. It's like it's a bad idea. Stop doing it. And he's not that good at it either. No, he's, he's not over here ripping. He's not ripping off big runs, dude. He's, that's not. I know he's shifty, and you're thinking like, oh, in a tight situation, he can make some moves and stuff. So can Abdullah. You know what I mean? And you're not gonna lose a guy who's been out of the you know game for five weeks. I no idea why he's out there. That rubbed me the wrong way for sure. They need that experiment to end. It, it's not even like he's a make, make a couple guys miss and a threat to take it to the house. He, he When's the last time he's taken anything to the house? He's just – he'll make a guy miss and then pick up like another seven yards and then go – and then be taken down. Or he'll get, yeah, get blissed. He'll make a, one guy miss and the next guy he doesn't see and blisters him in his head and he's out again. Uh, it's just a horrible idea. There's certain players, and I know that you'll probably agree with this, that you just that you see, and it's not even anything about how good or bad. And every team has had these type of players. That it, it's not even anything about how good or bad the players are, but there there's certain players that just attract big hits. And Renfro seems yep. to be one of those. He had a concussion issue. Just this, he's had multiple concussion yeah. issues. Take him off of the punt return um, game. It, he, he's He's not all he really gives you is a sure-handed guy that's going to make the first guy miss. He's not going to he's no threat. Nobody's afraid of him back there. Find somebody else. And you think about like for me I look at slot receivers instantly. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, you know, Brandon Stokely, guys like that who like they seem to attract and it's cuz they're smaller guys too. I mean that it you're getting hit by a 260 pound linebacker at a full sprint. Yeah, dude, it's going to look way more catastrophic than a 220 pound guy taking that shot. You know what I mean? So yeah. And it's usually with slot receivers. So why would you do that and just set him up to get his head torn off? I do not understand any of that. Put DJ Turner back there and let him field him. Something. Anybody, just anybody else. It's, you know, especially right. I was just shocked right off the five, five week IR and we're going to be like, go return punts for us, buddy. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump on off on something else. But I just thought that was crazy. Very little, very high risk for, in my opinion, very little return with that. But I guess that's a that's a topic for a different for a different uh, discussion. It, and it is also still concerning Raspy. Again, it was the first game back for Waller and Renfro. Waller did make that nice touchdown play in the seam and that shows he's still a major seam weapon, but it was still disturbing to have those guys added in back into the lineup. And he still had the second half power outage. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's where I, that's where I'm hard on it. You know what I mean? It's like trying to give some credit where credit's due, but at the same time, why did we, how did we unplug for, you know, damn near 30 minutes? Very, very. And it's clear that, you know, I, we could have spent a lot more time on this on the second half yeah. collapse again, but it's just it's it's redundant at this point. Yeah. And it's Getting clear old. that if they don't have the answers, if McDaniel's and Carr and company don't have the answers, Lombardi and everybody else that they have, then 
we certainly don't have the answers. If they had any sort of insight, then this wouldn't keep happening. They don't have it. They don't have a beat on exactly why. And I don't believe that it's, I don't, I don't buy that. It's just McDaniels being conservative at some point after being burned by that, how many times he would get off of that too. And we tried to throw a bunch and just had no time to do anything. So that's something that, that continues to be an issue. Hopefully they can figure this out. That's what's scary about having to go and win the next three games. It's like, I mean, you know, offensive output has not been good. Well, let's go ahead and get into that. So I wish I had the the clip from uh, Jim Mora. Playoffs? Because people (laughs) want to talk about the playoffs here. You that's, know, that's one of the best ones ever, dude. Everybody knows, his, everybody knows what his face looked like when he said that. And, <laughs> I mean, it was like, he was like, how dare you even ask me that? To talk about playoffs? <laughs> it's like, it's just amazing. It's but the Raiders, the Raiders find themselves in a situation where they have to talk about playoffs because the AFC is not running away with this thing, guys. The Jets failed. They could have put the, the drove the stake through the heart of the Raiders on Sunday. They failed to do so. And, and the Lions, the, and they couldn't the Lions, do it. Well, yeah, the Lions beat the Jets. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. They had a chance to drive a stake through their, their own opponent's heart. Couldn't do that. And they could have got us, too. They couldn't do it. Robert Sala doesn't know how to manage a clock to save his life. He also doesn't have a quarterback, but that's their I problem. I agree, but if you run that last two minutes of offense back, dude, you'll see that he mismanaged and lost himself like almost a minute of time, and they had to settle for a field goal attempt on first down. I get it. If, if he, so, I think he's a good coach. If he had a quarterback, it wouldn't, I do they too. would already be I in the playoffs. I just but. think he made a huge mistake yesterday trying to think that his defense was – I think he underestimated – he thought, or not underestimated, but just didn't think his quarterback could do it. So he just banked it all on defense and was trying to save these timeouts. But meanwhile, that quarterback who couldn't do it was working him down the field and getting him into range, and he couldn't get out of his own way. Yeah, and, but the bigger point is, is that you know the AFC failed to put the Raiders out of their misery for this season. The Raiders did come back and win this game, so it does have to be talked about. Look, they did; they pulled off a bigger feat a year ago, having to win four out of four. Right now, the Raiders, the playoff, the scenarios are just plausible enough to where they can't be dismissed outright. You know, you have. The Dolphins, the Jets, and a few other teams in the mix, the Steelers. But most of them just only have to lose one or two games. I think the Dolphins have to lose two games, but they they just so happen to be playing some of their worst football right now. But that's very plausible that that could happen. The Chargers could win or lose any week. I think they have to lose one or two more games. That's plausible that that well, could happen. We, we could beat the Steelers, man. I mean, we could go fall flat against them. We, we play them next week, so we're going to find out. Yep, and then, you know, the most unplausible part of it is that the Raiders now are in a situation where I believe it doesn't matter what else happens. They have to win all three games. Doesn't matter what the Jets do this time. Doesn't matter what anybody else. They've got to win. They have three games up. they got to win three games. they got to go three up, three down. Well, and you got to play the – you got to play – 
the Chiefs and and you think like normally, oh my gosh, you got to play the Chiefs too. The Chiefs are like squeaking by. They squeak by the Broncos and the Texans in back to back weeks. It's not that unfathomable. 49ers have a you know a backup quarterback who yes is playing really great, but at the same time he's bound to have a you know kind of come back to earth moment man i don't know i'm just saying it's not it's crazy as crazy as it has been the fact that we're even still in it and that we could run the table and have a chance blows my mind yeah and and you talk about you know the kid out there in, in frisco every week that goes by and the nfl gets more film on him that yep. that that could that party could end at any time. I remember once back in the day, Raspy. I remember once upon a time where Trevor Simeon was four and zero with the Broncos, and they were talking all kinds of, you know, yeah, with, they, they found the next guy and everything. Is he in career backup since then? Yep. So the Ra- and the Raiders. There's a, the, also that pesky thing that the Raiders have, where they do tend to play up. If they can get past the Steelers, they have two good teams left. The Raiders turn into a good team when they when they face good teams, but you're right. It's the Steelers game, a shorter week on the road. They're, they're forecasting frigid, frigid temperatures. I think I saw something about 13 degrees or something yeah. along those lines at kickoff, Raspy. And I'm not sure what time the game is. If it's a if that's a night game, if that's a primetime game, that temperature is going down most likely from there. What do you think about the Raiders' playoff chances? I know that it's not something we, we needed them to get past the replacement Rams, and then we really would have had a conversation here. But look, three games left. They the the mandate is clear. You win the three games, and then hope that some of these other scenarios, which are not crazy, by the way, that those things do play out and happen. Where are you at with the Raiders' playoff situation scenarios right now? Like, do I think that we could do it? Just what are your thoughts, and just whatever I they guess I, I, we're gonna be we're gonna be a game short, man. We put ourselves in a situation to where I feel like, well, we might even end this thing with a maybe two to one run, but I just I feel like that's not gonna that's not enough. I mean, eight and nine ain't gonna win you. <laughs> No, they have to win all three. I think that so, that's, that's official. But, I'm just, so that's, but that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at. I just don't see us running it. I mean, we can't seem to go and score, you know, points against the Rams skeleton crew. So, I don't know. Could it happen? Of course, anything could happen. But do I feel like it will? I hate to be the Debbie Downer. I just – I feel like we'll fall a game short, and it's only because of the lackluster performances that put us in a situation right now. I mean, you think, man, dude, just take two games. Two games. Even, hell, even one at this point, you know? And what we've let just slip through our fingers, I feel like we might, we'll probably be super close. These will be all tight games. But we're going to let one fall, you know, between our fingers. We're going to lose it. So I don't, I don't have the faith with what these guys have done to think that we're going to go and like and, and run the table here. I saw it last year. It, it, you got to go beat Pittsburgh first off. You go beat Pittsburgh, I think you could play up to both those teams, just like we said, and have a way stronger chance. But it's this game that I'm worried about. So we play down. We put ourselves in situations to be – fighting and scratching and clawing, you know, against a team who we have no business, not just running rough shot over or throwing the ball over. We'll see what happens, but sucks, man. 
This is why we don't, we're going to fall short. This is why you don't do this. This is why you don't play this living on a prayer type of scenario where you, you back yourself up against the wall every year. It's like, well, we did it last year. Let's we could do it again. You're not going to run the table every year. This is it puts way too much pressure on your team. Now you have to be literally perfect in the win column, at least. You have to be perfect, if not perfect, in the games to get there. And there is no there is no margin for, for error. There is no room to make mistakes. There is no, you know, mulligans, no do-overs, none of that stuff, no get backs, nothing. So they have to they have to do it. The only thing that's encouraging is that there's a number of this guy, the number of guys on this team, on this roster that were there a year ago when they did it before. But man, you can't keep tugging on Superman's cape. One of these times he's gonna turn around and he's gonna X-ray he's gonna heat ray vision your head off. And the, the Raiders, they keep playing this game, and you're right. Games that should be easy, we find ourselves in backyard life or death street fights with teams that we should have put away. And you don't even have this. You take two of those blown leads back, and you don't even need those two games at the end to get in. So Raiders will hopefully learn their lesson one of these days. And I agree with you. Until the until I see this team consistently put four four quarters of offense together with the with the weapons that they have, it's really hard to project a three out of three performance when you're you're just not seeing that. So you keep this up and keep playing two quarters of football, man. You could go zero and three in these last three games. Easily, and you will. So, like, you know, if you you don't play four quarters against the Niners and Chiefs, those that's zero and two for sure. There, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's what scares me the most is to see these big, like you said, just lights out. Let's unplug here for thirty minutes. I mean, literally, damn near thirty minutes again. We won the game, but what it took to win that game? I mean, I mean, come on, man, historic stuff to win that game. So come on, historic effort to beat. Belichick, you know, yeah. and, and I yeah. am happy we beat Belichick. Don't get me wrong, but I'd have been a lot happier if we had two other two two more wins under our belt and we were like locking ourselves in. But no, we have to always be flirting with just the edge of it, trying to fight our way in. Like you said, eventually, man, <laughs> that's it's just not going to happen. So. As thrilling as that Chandler Jones play is, I have to be honest, it wasn't as thrilling to me as it was to a lot of other people. It was an amazing play. Don't get me wrong. It's thrilling. It's a great play. But he's living on down to the wire. And, you know, every game with the Raiders is like watching a, a you know, one of the Mission Impossible movies or something. It's like literally if Tom Cruise takes one bad step – he's going to fall off this, this building. He does all of his own stunts. He's going to die. That's how the Raiders play every week. Mission impossible. If Derek Carr doesn't complete this pass, boom, the bomb explodes and it's done. You can't do. They've taken years off our life nation. I can promise you they've taken years off of my, I guarantee it. I would much rather see a Raiders runaway blow up. These, these nickname miracle plays as great, as fun as they are. Yeah, well, I would take the walk off or walk in, you know, just strutting in every week and whooping that ass to the deal with this stuff. Getting the, uh, the how the Chiefs usually win games or the Bills yep. or other teams, the Eagles. Yeah, that that's how, that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, in the near future for the Raiders. But bottom line, the Raiders found the 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 motto is just win, baby. And I can't think of a game ever maybe. 
that lives up to that motto more than what the Raiders did on Sunday against the Patriots, literally just winning on the last play of the game, the miracle, the holy roller part two is basically what it is. Their their faint playoff hopes alive, living on a prayer. Raspy, do you have any final words to wrap up this thrilling Raiders win? No, man. Other than uh, I talk a lot of trash, man, and I know sometimes I can be negative, but I'd rather be in it than out of it. So, hey, man, we're still technically in it. Let's go make a run. Prove me wrong, please, dude. I would love to see that. I would love to see all of a sudden with D. Wall and Hunter Renfro back that this offense was going to be that prolific offense and we could make a run through the playoffs. The only way to even try to do that is to get in. So, prove me wrong. Go get in. Show us uh, that this offense can be that, you know, dynamic, prolific offense that we thought we were going to see and haven't really seen once all year with all these boys together. So what better time right now than to start uh, putting these guys in? I mean, it seemed like it's kind of like on a pitch count thing, but, hey, Ewall came in and had a decent game, got us a touchdown. Renfro got us a big third down when we needed it. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that it's going to take because we know we're always going to be in close ones. So let's make it happen, man. But Nation, meanwhile, love y'all. Appreciate each and every one of you guys, man. We'll uh, – we're going to reconvene. We're going to keep coming at you with content, man. So we appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll be we'll be talking soon. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it, man. We got a we got a relish in this one because this was a pretty cool way to win it. It was fun and funny as hell. And it couldn't have uh, happened against another team that would have made me much happier unless it was the Broncos. So hell yeah. Actually, this makes me even happier than the Patriots. This is certainly not get back for the the tech rule, but it is a little bit of something. But guys, enjoy this one, man. You know, this is one of those plays that the Raider fans from a whole different, I like to say our dad's generations, they got to enjoy these types of wins with John Madden and those crazy teams a lot. We haven't got to, we've been on the bad side of a lot of those over the last 20 years or so. So soak this one in. You You may not ever see a play like that for the rest of your life watching, even if you watch football for the rest of your life, you may not see anything like that again. So don't take it lightly, especially as a Raider fan. So enjoy this one, man. Keeping hope alive. The Raiders have a chance. we got to do this one. We say they have to win all three, but the, the team themselves, they got to take it one week at a time. Very difficult task coming up on Christmas Eve. Let's hope that the Steelers don't serve out, you know, a, a, a stocking full of coal for the Raiders and Raider fans effectively, not even effectively, exactly ending the Raiders' playoff chances on Christmas Eve with the loss. So Raiders deliver that that you know that gift, that Christmas Eve present to Raider Nation and keep hope alive. Keep it here with us. We're gonna break down that game later on this week. We have Captain and Plank from this game dropping. Uh, in a day or two, so you want to make sure to keep those notifications on for that. And also, there's still time to get your questions in for Ask Raspy this week. I'm sure there's going to be some crazy questions about this ending or, or something else related to this game. So plenty of time to get those questions in, but you do want to do so ASAP. But for now, guys, bask in it, enjoy it, let it soak in. You know, Enjoy the rest of your week until we meet again here. Um, later on this week and uh, that's about it guys for my co-host mr raspy raider this is raider heart leaving you for now 
enjoying it, happy, for a simple reason. It was hard to believe, but with that play, Raiders just won, baby.